1: Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg.
2: So this week on the Tech Night Owl Live, John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is raring to go. A little bit later, we'll hear from the one and only iTunes guy himself, Kirk McElhern. But we have such a big agenda from John. Let's get started on the Tech Night Owl Live. (laughs) Happy to be on the show with you. Let me tell you that before we do a show with John, he sends me an agenda. This is what I want to talk about. And when I look at the first headline, I start thinking, you know, maybe one of his headline writers over there at Mac Observer is moonlighting for National Enquirer. (laughs) He writes them himself is what he's trying to tell you. Okay. How do I dream these things up? Well, I understand there's a pill for that. But to get started... Here's the headline. How tribal warfare caused Apple's loss of gloss. That's a pretty shiny headline. Tell me more.
3: That is. uh, I believe that's the first time anybody has ever written about Apple in the context of tribes. I may be wrong, but I, I think that's the first. Basically, People get on Apple's case from time to time. There's been intra NAC warfare between PC people and Apple people for years. We had the PC wars. We had the Mac versus PC ads on TV. You know, there's been this legacy. And there's always been people who've been sort of annoyed by what Apple does and been rather vocal about it. But ever since Apple's Hello Again event on October 27th, Within the Mac community, there's been a lot of irritation and annoyance. I think there was a lot of expectation for that October 27th event because it was labeled hello again, and people expected Apple to make a reaffirmation about its vision for the Mac, but they didn't. The company just brought out, the, as we know, the MacBook Pros with the touchpad and didn't say anything else. Didn't give us any information, affirmations, didn't talk about a vision, didn't talk about desktop iMac refreshes didn't say anything about Mac minis didn't say anything about the Mac Pro just sort of left us hanging and that produced a sense of irritation and then when people started looking at the specs for the MacBook Pro they were a little bit annoyed that it wasn't if it's going to be your desktop machine and plugged into AC power and plugged into big monitors then it should have plenty of power graphics and memory. So this started this grumbling going on, and I spent the last couple weeks thinking about it and pondering it during Thanksgiving vacation. It occurred to me that there were these tribes appearing, driven by social media, and the tribes have an agenda, they nourish each other, they ostracize dissenters, they have a platform, they have a voice, and they make their voice heard. And these, these tribes squabble with each other and they squabble with Apple about what Apple's doing. And they have their agenda. Some examples would be the, the outcry about Apple removing the uh, headphone jack from the iPhone 7. There's uh, perhaps an application tribe that fusses about Aperture, iTunes, Mail, Time Machine, automation. There's probably a technical professional tribe, there surely is a technical professional tribe that is Focused on headless Macs, displays, flexible, powerful storage backups, graphics tools, and so on. And these tribes have plentiful outlets. They reside in various places in Reddit, and Facebook, and Twitter, and in pu- various publications. But Apple tends to dismiss the tribes, which irritates them no end. Apple has its own methods. Apple has the legacy of Steve Jobs that they that they are true to they have a product mo- roadmap that's internal and secret and when the tribes get off track and make bad predictions apple just laughs and says well you guys don't know anything you don't know everything which means you don't know anything which is kind of a arrogant thing to do there's apple's feedback mechanism within its os's ios and mac os that tells them how people are using the products and that informs them greatly about how to design the products probably led to um a deprecation of automation in the long run. And Apple retail stores and Apple sales also inform Apple about how they're doing with their customers. So it's easy for Apple to dismiss the tribes. But the tribes are, can sometimes be important. When the, the, the tribe recently told Apple that there was this calendar s- spam scam going on, and Apple's going to respond to that. There are tribes that are Serious and to be taken seriously, and there are tribes that just rant. So the trick when analyzing Apple is to understand the tribes, what their agenda is, what their credibility is. It's also important to understand that Apple, while it dismisses the tribes out of hand because it has its own internal mechanisms, can't get away with ignoring the tribes completely because the tribes can drive the public conversation. They can influence people on media, and Facebook especially and Twitter. The tribes can turn people against Apple if they're clever enough and loud enough so Apple can't ignore them completely. So I finished the article with in this analysis about tribes and their impact to remind the readers that listening to tribes and joining tribes and beating your drums and carrying your torch is not what life is all about. It's all about doing something important with your Mac, making a contribution whether it's creation or education or computing or designing or analyzing. We buy our Macs, most of us do anyway, to do something positive, make a difference in the world and create. And I finished with the famous Steve Jobs line when he introduced iPhoto, talking about family memories. And with a little bit of teary-eyed, he said, you know, with passion to create and to serve his customers. This is why we do what we do. And that's something we should always keep in mind despite the tribe's ranting and ravings or their positive instruction to Apple, we should always be thinking about what we're doing to make a contribution with our Macs. So that was the gist of the article from top to bottom about Apple and the tribes and how they have led to a little bit of diminishing of Apple's gloss lately because of how Apple handled the uh, Hello Again event without expressing a clear-cut vision. You know, Hewlett Packard has done that, uh, they've come out with a rather distinct operational statement about that, what their vision is for creative professionals, who they serve, the kinds of products they create, why they do it, where they think they're going, and, and notable instances of adoption by NASA and by uh, CAD, computer-aided design professionals. So, Apple didn't do that. Apple didn't come out on October 27th and says, okay, this is a Mac event. Here's our vision for the Mac. Here's where we're going." Here's what we want to try to achieve. Here are the markets we serve. Here are the kinds of products we want to build. Nope, didn't do that. And that created a furor amongst the tribes and led to this sort of loss of Apple Sheen and a lot of complaining and second guessing. So So your point here is that Apple might have prevented a lot
2: of the criticism that arose after that event if they'd been a little more forthcoming about what might come. Maybe just said, we've got a lot more coming from the Mac, stay tuned, and we'll have more to say over time. Just anything that would have helped.
3: Yeah, and there was a sort of a a mop-up operation after the fact, where because of what was not said during the presentation, Phil Schiller had to uh, do a of a short interview with a UK publication. And I believe uh, Tim Cook had made some comments about, you know, we love the Mac, stay tuned. But these are all kind of offhand remarks said in publications that may not be widely read or absorbed by everybody. And so it's a testament that incomplete messaging occurred during the presentation, which everybody watched. Uh, and there had to be sort of a fix-up after the fact where Apple says, well, yeah, don't forget, you know, we, we're still into the desktop, as Phil Schiller said, to uh, a UK publication. I forget the name of it. So um, that leaves us kind of hanging. You know, Apple says they're still committed to the desktop. One of the issues that probably is applying here is how you handle a touch pad on a keyboard connected to an iMac.
2: I've got to break it here. So we have the conundrum of the touch pad and the touch screen and Apple, and their vision for the future, whatever it might be. We have John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap. But not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year, you get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com/host. Once again, that's
4: technightowl.com/host.
5: and give you good old-fashioned real soaps that are triple concentrated. Soaps made from vegetable and coconut oils. See their full selection of soaps at 5starsoap.com. That's F-I-V-E starsoap.com. Or call 1-800-340-7091 for a catalog.
8: This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480.
9: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl That's news at technightowl If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow Night Owls, visit our community forums at forum That's forum
2: Before we go on with John, I just want to tell you that we have a special way for you to support the show, even better now that the holidays are nearly upon us. Join TechNightOwl Plus. That's plus, P-L-U-S dot dot com. We give you a special version of the show that's commercial free, better audio for a low monthly subscription rate. Check plus dot dot com. We were talking about here the tribal warfare, the little cliques have arisen that spread doom and gloom about apple and maybe apple could have handled things better but most of what i read and there were several press opportunities that they took was about to explain the touch bar to explain why the macbook pro didn't have more than 16 gigabytes of memory stuff like that priorities for the current product but i don't understand why there no question appears to have been asked hey, what's happening with the Mac Pro, the iMac? What's going on there? Either Apple said, we're not talking about anything else, in which case the journalist can still ask, or somebody overlooked a really good opportunity there. I think that's part of it right there. If Apple appears before the media and answers questions, what are they going to say if you ask them a question they didn't want to hear? (laughs) Refuse to give you a media opportunity in the future? Pull your access to review product? Well, you can make a big stink and Apple's not going to look good about that.
3: I think there was a couple of factors that weighed into this. I, I think maybe here at the Mech Observer, we, we kind of felt like there was some filler at the beginning with the uh, Apple TV stuff. Tim Cook seemed a little bit less polished in his presentation than normal. So we surmised that two things happened. One, there was some engineering issues associated with an external keyboard connected to an iPad and doing Touch ID. How do you transmit that Touch ID information back to the Mac encrypted form in a secure and and reliable way? So it requires a a keyboard and some engineering uh, and some questions about how you're going to make the connection to... Apple was, I think, surprised by Microsoft's Surface Studio announcement the day before on October 26th. And I think what happened was because they were taken by surprise because the Surface Studio was compared to the uh, iMac as the uh, desktop creator's dream come true, sort of a a 24-inch iPad, 24, 25. I forget how big it is now. Apple just decided to can the entire iMac presentation, and that forced them to justify the focus in the design and the engineering that they put into the touch bar for the MacBook Pro. Because when you got something you work that hard on, you want to make sure you get a a really solid message through that this is important and this is going to enable you. I know Phil Schiller did a, a a briefing with Shara Tipkin and pointed out that even Apple doesn't know where this is going, and it's an opportunity for the future, and it's intended uh, to be uh, perhaps a bridge between the, the Macintosh and the iPad in the future. Who knows? But the technology, they think, has got this positive aspect to it. None of that optimism, none of that thinking about the bridge or the potential for this in the future was done in the presentation. So again, we had a sort of a mop-up operation. And I think what happened was is that the Microsoft presentation so upset Apple's agenda that they didn't have time to really think out how to plan for and react to the Surface Studio and how to put their products into context against it. And they ended up just doing something very focused and specialized and that didn't fill the bill for the the vast Macintosh audience. I sent out a tweet afterwards that got huge hits. It said with tongue in cheek, not that Apple should license out Mac OS, but tongue in cheek, the Macintosh is too important to be left to Apple, and that was kind of a subtle way of saying that hey, we're all depending on you. There's 100 million Macintoshes out there. We need you. We, we technical professionals, creatives, educators, scientists, consumers, web designers. We all depend on you, Apple. Tell us what you're what you're thinking about for supporting in your vision for the Macintosh. Now, that's all in the context of the fact that Apple sells only 20 million Macs a year and they sell, what, 200 million iPhones a year at least. But on the other hand, Jean-Louis Gasset came out with a very convincing article on his Monday note this week about how Apple's revenue for 20 million Macs a year is $22 billion. And that's the size of Northrop Grumman and some other major aerospace companies and some other major corporations whose total income is $22 billion. So if the Macintosh were just a company by itself, I believe it was something like 134th in the Fortune 500 list. This is the reason, of course, why these people who call for Apple to
2: give up the Mac are just clueless. It's Mm -hmm. a pretty big division over there, isn't it,
3: folks? Yes, it, it is. And while the future may be with iOS and touching and iPad technologies, and while well, the mouse and the cursor and the keyboard will go away eventually. The thinking that keeps coming back to my mind is, is that while you have a mind that this product is going to go away someday, and while you're working to develop technologies like artificial intelligence and Siri and being able to communicate with your device by voice and by touching you can't neglect the current customers. You have to do a graceful transition. And that being mindful of the of the future and the transition in the future does not mean that you annoy and abandon your current loyal customers on the Macintosh side. There's still plenty of life left in that platform. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been a MacBook Pro with Touch Bar. Yeah, it's not
2: something that you produce overnight. But now what you say takes us to headline number two. Why is there so much pain extracting truth from apple
3: that's something that i wrote a few weeks ago before the loss of gloss article The, the problem is is that apple leaves the world confused about what its intentions are and that leads to a lot of criticism and that criticism forms a tribe and becomes volumetric and then apple has to sort of take care of the situation by reacting and I think it was The Independent, where Phil Schiller had to explain, we love the Mac and we're committed to it as both desktop and notebooks as we've ever been. So this was like the desktop operation afterwards. So Apple has an event, and instead of feeling happy about Apple's position, Apple has to, as we said in the, in the previous segment, Apple has to sort of come out and talk to publications and sort of clarify what they really meant. On the side and why they do that it's a mystery because those publications don't always get the coverage that the original coverage did on television and news sites so the question i keep asking myself is why apple puts the community through so much pain through these after the fact operations and why the product roadmap is suddenly so blurry i harked back to the 2x2 two two product chart remember that from 1998 uh, Let's yeah.
2: explain. Let's explain what that is in our next segment. Okay. John Martellero of the Mac Observers here. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNLive.com today.
7: Why be held hostage by your wireless carrier for two years? What if there were no contracts, no activation fees, no tracking, tracing, or draconian gimmicks? All on America's largest 4G LTE networks. Introducing PixWireless.com. Activate your Sprint AT&T and unlock GSM phones instantly. Bring your own device and make the switch today. Here's how. Call or click 1-800-205-9513 or PixWireless.com. Spell P-I-X.
11: PixWireless.com.
12: Don't know what contaminants are lurking in your water? Time to get a ProPure. Take advantage of ProPure's holiday sale. Save 25% on all ProPure water filter products. Sale's good through December 31st. There's a ProPure water filter for you. Visit your authorized ProPure dealer for details or ProPureUSA.com. That's P R O P U R U S A.com.
11: Will the
13: government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves. Home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to
6: Dangerous blood clot device alert. If you or a loved one had an IVC filter placed to prevent blood clots from traveling to your heart or lungs and suffered an injury, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA warns that IVC filters may cause serious complications such as heart or lung damage, internal bleeding, and even death. These dangerous blood clot devices can break and the metal fragments can travel to your heart or lungs causing serious injuries. If you or a loved One suffered organ damage or other injuries from an IVC filter, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk at 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. 800 478 1507. This is an advertisement. Paid non attorney spokesperson, injuryhelpdesk.com is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada.
12: Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl because you never know what's going to happen next.
2: Okay, Apple and Truth. Sounds like a certain politician, but I don't want to be political. You were going to say John Martellaro.
3: Well, in 1999, a few years after Steve Jobs came back, the company was in great trouble. It was having trouble articulating its product vision and its product line. The Performa lineup, which is all they had for the Macs, was, was, a, was a mess. Customers were confused about what to buy. The products weren't made very well. They weren't appealing. So as we know from history... Steve Jobs partnered with Jonathan Ive. They came up with the Bondi Blue iMac. And shortly thereafter, they came out with this beautiful blue and white Power Macintosh with the IBM G3 chip. And they came out with the iBook, which had Wi-Fi for the first time. And they had a corresponding little flying saucer base station so you could do Wi-Fi in your house. And this 2 by 2 product chart, which is talked about a lot. And it said, basically, here's your consumer line for desktop and mobile. And here's your pro line for desktop and mobile. And that clarification and simplification and allowed great focus and great energy by Steve Jobs to say this is what we've got. Here's our roadmap. As those products were updated, the entries in the 2x2 matrix changed a little bit. But you could still see where Apple was going. If you look at Apple's roadmap now, it's kind of hard to see what they're up to. They're still selling the MacBook Air which many people expected Apple to discontinue. Maybe they're concerned that they don't want to give that up because people like having the ports and the MagSafe and the USB-A ports and the DisplayPort and the Thunderbolt on their, on their MacBook Air explicitly. The MacBook is certainly an intention of the future, but trying to figure out how the MacBook and the MacBook Air fit into the strategy is difficult. There's the Mac Mini, which is the consumer desktop, and the Mac Pro, which is the Pro desktop, which seem to be missing in action. I think it's been something like 1,050 days since the Mac Pro has been updated. And so we're left without really a roadmap. And as we know, technical professionals in government and industry need to plan ahead. They need to submit requests for money so that they can get new computers in the coming year. They need to kind of have a feel for where they're going with uh, their purchases. Apple kind of left us, has left us dangling there. So it's been a difficult time trying to figure out how Apple is planning to support the Mac community. Well, you know, when you raise this issue
2: here, this has always been Apple's game plan. They never really give you much information about the future. Sometimes they will show a product, like in 2013. The WWDC, they displayed the Mac Pro, which didn't ship until just prior to the end of the year, maybe three units before December 2013 ended. But that's a rarity. Most of the time, it's when the product is out, it'll be shipping in a yeah, week, it'll be shipping in two weeks, whatever. Let me, let me this is the way Apple's that. always done it, even let me though... give you
3: an example of what irritated the community about the MacBook Pro with the touch bar. Apple showed these LG monitors and they showed a candidate workstation, a desk with the monitors on top and a video camera on the table and a MacBook Pro connected to these large displays. So if this MacBook Pro is your Pro device, it's got AC power because it's sitting on the desktop. Battery life is not a concern. If you're a traveling professional, you probably have a battery. Unless you're going to the Antarctic and you're worried about power, you usually land in a location where you've got access to power. You've either got a battery on an airplane in your suitcase in your carry on or you arrive at your location where you do a presentation or do your work in your office and you've got power. This mystery environment where you've got to sit there for 10 hours with no power available to you. Um, is unlikely. I mean, if you're on a Singapore air flight from San Francisco to you know Singapore, you've got your own luxury little area where you can recline and you've got TV set and you've got power. So even then on a 10-hour flight, so what's the story there? You've got a desktop machine. Apple's saying, well, look, we're not going to even talk about desktop headless Macs anymore. This is your new pro machine. But guess what's important? Battery power is all important. That's the most crucial thing. No, you don't get 32 gigabytes of RAM because that would harm the battery life. No, you don't get a really powerful GPU because that would harm the battery life. So there's this cognitive dissonance about how this is your new desktop power machine with external monitors, and yet is somehow limited because Apple is fixated on battery power, seem to create this problem for technical and creative professionals trying to understand how apple could rationalize those two aspects of the machine and with the absence of any discussion about other kinds of macintoshes to put everything into context we were left trying to puzzle out how this is going to be our new pro desktop and that created all sorts of problems
2: well of course if you look at the way the MacBook pro has been up till now that's the way it is it is something that offers all-day battery life and a decent level of power. And this is just a direct refresh of that in a new slimmer case with the touch bar.
3: But, sure, but it wasn't the basic the focus of, of that product of is
2: about the same, except now suddenly the 15-inch can drive two 5K
3: displays. Right, which means it's sitting on the desktop, which means it's plugged into AC power. So what's the deal with battery power? Why did we get faster skylight chips and why didn't we get 32 gig ram to make this a full-fledged focus machine it seemed like apple wanted to have it both ways there was there was the vacuum of the pro desktop there were the engineering trade-offs of the macbook pro with the touch bar and then there was this kind of strange depiction of what your new pro desktop was going to be like with the 5K displays connected to a MacBook. A lot of people work in lid closed operation in such an environment.
14: I wouldn't
2: buy a notebook computer to use primarily on the desk. I would get myself an iMac. I'm assuming the next generation iMac will probably drive a pair of external 5K displays. I would not doubt that for a moment.
3: Well, there's issues with the kind of display you get in an iMac. Uh, I'm not completely sure, but as I recall, they're still glossy. And a lot of uh, color professionals don't like the glossy displays. Hewlett-Packard knows how to focus on creative and color professionals and pre-press and publication people and give them great displays for that purpose. Um, If you want to pick your own display, uh, you still need a headless, powerful desktop machine running macOS Sierra and connected to the display of your choice. Which means, again, back to the Mac Pro. Yes. You can say that this is a small percentage of Apple's sales, but then you've also got to take into account the fact that there, are, there's an opportunity for Apple to lead the way, to to show their vision, to cater to those people and to have a halo machine that says, we know how to build the very best. And that gets influencers talking about how Apple's building the very best. You can't just look on sales and say, well, we only sell 100,000 of those a quarter. We're just going to kill it. That doesn't put it into perspective in terms of Apple's leadership, a Halo machine, Apple's catering to technical professionals, creating a, a market and uh, influencing the influencers.
2: Well, also, you have to look at this that even though Final Cut Pro 10 or X was criticized for not being professional enough or giving up too many features, if you look at recent versions, the features are back. They've got other features. And if you look at the kind of features they're adding, they're strictly for professional people. So yeah, they this like app is VR there. It's Cut. certainly useful. But the question is, what kind of environment do you run it in? Obviously, you can only run it on a Mac.
3: The quandary is as if they're focusing on Final Cut Pro and adding back these professional features. For video professionals, why have they stopped updating Aperture for photography professionals?
2: They expect you to use Lightroom. I don't know. I'm not going to try to second guess what Apple thinks, because if we do, we will basically hit our heads against the wall. And the one thing about doing that, it feels so good when you stop. Before we stop, however, we want you to check out Tech Night Owl Plus. Go to plus.technightowl.com to learn more about our premium subscription service, the best way to support the show. John Martellaro of the Mac Observer is joining us for several more segments. I'm Gene Steinberg, you're in the Tech Night High Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
2: The award winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features. And most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene.
15: As a doctor, I see patients every day who are losing their vision to age-related macular degeneration, also known as AMD. If you have blurry vision or blind spots, they can be symptoms of AMD, and if untreated, could lead to blindness. The good news? AMD can be managed with effective clinically approved treatments that may reverse some vision loss. For free AMD information, contact the Foundation Fighting Blindness at 1-800-BLINDNESS. That's 1-800-BLINDNESS. There is a cure in sight.
16: If you or someone you love is suffering from hearing loss, please stay tuned for a special free offer from the makers of a revolutionary hearing breakthrough called Listen Clear. Listen Clear is precisely designed by top audio engineers to fit the ear almost invisibly, and it can be adjusted to find the perfect way to hear everything in every listening environment. Right now, we're offering absolutely free in-home trials to everyone who calls now. 1-800-957-9652. Call in the next 10 minutes, and you'll also receive free shipping and free batteries for life. Listen Clear is lightweight and practically invisible, so people won't notice when you're wearing it. So again, if you or someone you love is suffering from hearing loss, please give them or yourself this life-changing 100% free in-home trial with free shipping and free batteries for life. For free information, call now, 1-800-957-9652. That's 1-800-957-9652. 1 800 957 9652.
17: How confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or anytime? New Mana Storable Food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only New Mana Storable Food for an entire month. Online at PowerPrepper.com. That's PowerPrepper.com. Experience the New Mana difference.
1: America made food storage
12: do you know what's going to happen next well here's the tech night owl live with gene steinberg
2: Okay, so Apple isn't telling us what they're doing and maybe they need to reinvigorate the Mac market with a statement of intent. What's going to happen this coming year? We have to find out. Let's move to some other topics which may or may not be related. And that is, okay, you mentioned HP. HP exploits Mac Pro Void with the new Z2 Mini. I guess we should also talk about the Surface Studio from Microsoft.
3: Yeah, there's blood in the water. These two companies have decided they're going to grab the technical and creative professionals away from Apple. There was a time when we had something like Snow Leopard and a beautiful GUI and it was a fabulous BSD Unix and it was fairly secure because it didn't have a lot of add-ons and it just blew Windows XP out of the water. And we would never dream of moving from our beloved Unix-based Mac OS X becoming OS X, becoming Mac OS again. We would never dream of moving from something like Snow Leopard over to Windows XP because Windows XP was such a poor operating system in terms of security and usability and complexity. And so... Time went on, and Microsoft got smart about security. And with Vista, started doing some sensible things like address space layout, randomization, and other security features. And throughout the iterations of Windows 7, which was pretty good, and Microsoft Security Essentials helping, and then the elevation to Windows 8 and now Windows 10, Microsoft has got itself a different but very usable operating system that spans its devices. It's fairly secure. People are, who are using Windows 7 are happy with its organization and, and structure. It's a respectable, secure operating system on, on the same level now as Mac OS Sierra. Some people believe that Windows 8 went downhill,
2: substantially, and 8.1, yes. with Windows 10, it's gone in the right direction, more or less. Yep.
3: Yeah. So what that leads to is a problem for Apple, because when people see a Microsoft Surface Studio, they go, oh, I am so attracted to the hardware that I could actually live with Windows 10. I could run Photoshop and I could run my creative apps or I could run my CAD system. And I could use the Surface dial for color and I could use this system on my desktop as a glorious creative innovative piece of hardware and live with windows 10 and get my work done and that seems to be a sea change in the mentality and Hewlett packard and microsoft know it and they, they know that because apple has been sort of resting on their laurels and, and has been sending non-signs to the creative professionals that there's an opportunity here to build some really nice pieces of hardware Um, We talked about the Microsoft Surface Studio, which is basically a 25-inch iPad. You brought up the HP Z2 Mini, which is sort of a super version of the Mac Mini. Sure, it runs Windows 10, but it can also run Linux. And it's got a Xeon processor. It's got a pretty hefty NVIDIA Quadro uh, M620 GPU. It's not VR class, but it's very good. Now, Lots just to stop for back. a
2: second, because people don't get all the specs. Xeon is Intel's high-end processor. It's used for high-end workstations and servers. And so, Mac For Pro. example, the servers that we have to run this site use Xeon's. So mm-hmm. that's, they're expensive. They're reliable. They use ECC memory. And you stick that in a small computer. That's quite a big deal.
3: Right, so you've got, you've got a Xeon processor. It also has Core i processors, if you want. It's got USB-A ports. It's got USB-C ports. It's got Ethernet port. It's got a security lock. It's got the uh, capacity to uh, run 32 gigabytes of RAM. And you could put Windows 10 or uh, Linux on it. And you'd have a pretty cool desktop workstation, and you can connect up to four HD... Was it four? Six. I think it's six high-definition displays. Um, I haven't been able to get the specs from Hewlett-Packard yet on how many 4 or 5K displays it supports. But with that graphic card, it can probably support at least two, maybe four, 4K displays. And so this is a machine that Hewlett-Packard says is worthy of celebrating. See, they're sort of taking the words right out of Apple's mouth. You build a machine that's so cool and so lustworthy, if I can use that, That people celebrate the machine and they say, we honor the direction that you're going. We honor what you're trying to do for us and you're serving us. We respect the hardware that you're giving us and 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 the commitment that you make to the community and the opportunity we have to connect our own displays and to connect our own hardware and to have great systems that we don't have to complain about and say, well, why did you do this and why did you limit it to that and what is the excuse here and what is the excuse there? Technical creative professionals don't like that. They like machines that they can manage and control and interface into their system and have great interfaces to backups and to their corporate systems and to connect their own displays and to expand, get in there and inside and put extra storage in and things like that. So Hewlett-Packard and Microsoft are kind of moving in on that. Now, how much money there is to be made? Well, it depends on how they approach the market and how much enthusiasm and how much uh, fanning of the flames they can create within the community. But certainly, they're sizing up the opportunity to completely steal this market from Apple. This is not just me. Hewlett-Packard has said it to me. They want this market.
2: Okay, I'm looking here at the specs for this computer, okay? Mm -hmm. Number one is the processors do not exceed four-core. There's two-core and four-core. Two Xeon processors, several i5s, i7s. There's nothing more in four core. And for that, heck, you can get an iMac with an i7 four core and get very comparable performance. There's no Thunderbolt. There's no USB. There's a USB C port, two of There's them. There's USB 3. Yeah. And USB 3. But nothing about 3.1, nothing about Thunderbolt, the same Well, remember,
3: things. this is not a Mac Pro substitute. This is a Mac Mini substitute. Sure. And this is, this is a machine that sells for about $700 for starters. Hewlett-Packard has a complete line of Z workstations, Z notebooks. They have a Z workstation that is a, that is a tower configuration. And you can put two terabytes of RAM in it. And you can put 20 terabytes of SSD storage in it. And you can have 32 cores in it. So if you're ready for a $2,000 or $3,000 ultimate scientific computing desktop workstation, you go to the Z workstations. So this little Z2 Mini has to be put into perspective. But it is just another machine that is uh, poised to take over part of the market for people who only need a $1,000 desktop, headless, pretty good CAD design system. Well,
2: the thing with the Mac Mini is it's very much unrealized potential. And for all sorts of reasons, they went downhill with the 2014 update because the 2014 update, you couldn't update RAM anymore. They went only to dual-core Intel processors. Now, I understand the quad-core had different pinouts. I don't know. That might be true. That make things a little bit more difficult, but not really. I mean, you have there four two different kinds of logic boards. What's the big deal? Nothing wrong with that. I think they made no sense with that update, except to cut $100 in the purchase price. And there is potential in a lot of what Apple does that I don't see realized. And this is almost a different kind of discussion, but I can throw it out there. So the Mac Mini is used in a lot of data centers as a low-end server. In fact, for several months, in partnership with one of those companies that sells Mac servers, we ran all our sites on these Mac Minis with quad-core processors. Instead of the big blade server with Xeon, mm-hmm. you know what? I couldn't see mm-hmm. a, I couldn't see any difference in performance. Whatever, not an iota's difference. It was running a virtual machine to give us Linux and cPanel, which is the control panel in use by most of the web servers out there. And I didn't know, and I wouldn't have known, if I didn't look at the spec sheet, that I wasn't running a standard super micro server or something like that. That was really a surprising. Unrealized potential. John Martellero of the Mac Observers here. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
4: For more details, visit Rockoids.com. That's R O C K O I D S.com.
18: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I'm here to tell you about GCNTelecare.com, a team of board certified doctors assisting you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. 365 days a year, within 15 minutes of registration. Care your family can afford, revolutionizing the healthcare industry. Virtual consulting providing diagnosis of non-emergency medical issues by phone or secure video on computer or smart mobile devices. GCNTelecare.com, virtual care anywhere. This is Dan Pillot. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended
5: people from the IRS for over 30 years.
9: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: So, talking a little bit here about unrealized potential. So, we have the Mac Mini. And of course, now if you want a quad-core Mac Mini, they have to sell you the older model if they can get one, or lease it to you, because of what Apple did. All right, that's one problem. The Mac Pro. Now the Mac Pro looks great, but it's designed to sit there as the hub of all this external hardware. You hook it up, you have a bunch of Thunderbolt ports and USB, and you have a wiring nightmare. Now I was thinking. Oh, very- I don't know about that. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Of course. Uh, I mean, uh, you look, at are uh, adding, three or, Ray you're adding oh, oh, three or four RAID no, drives. You're adding three or four RAID
3: drives to it. Oh, a breakout oh, box for PCI cards. Hey, what do you hey, have? I'm, talk- I'm talking to you on a Mac Pro, so I can speak about the Mac Pro, okay? Computers have connections. Sure, Apple's getting more and more wireless. But if you don't want to do Wi-Fi, you have an Ethernet port. If you want to connect to, say, a Thunderbolt hub, you have a port. If you have issues with connecting your microphone through a hub, you may have to go with your microphone directly into the USB port, which happened to me. And so I've got a USB port allocated to this Road Podcaster that I'm talking to you on. So computers have wires. It's hard to get away from it. When you're trying to present the product in a marketing environment to the public, you don't show those wires. You show it as a beautiful. This is a marketing ploy. So we create this Fabulous vision in our brain that it's so cool and it's so simple, and then we buy the machine, and then suddenly we're faced with the reality. Oh yeah, well you do have to connect cables. You do have to dispe- connect the display port of your display. You do have to connect some other devices, maybe a hub and a backup and a time machine drive and so on. So this this myth, this aura that com- the computer can be wireless and beautiful. And that somehow when you connect cables to a Mac Pro, you're selling it in some way. That's nonsense. It sits behind my Hewlett-Packard display, which I'm not ashamed to talk about. I have a nice Hewlett-Packard display connected to the Mac Pro. I don't see the wires. It's all a myth. It doesn't bother me at all. You hide them away. I understand your point. You hide them away,
2: and it doesn't matter what Apple did as long as it works. The problem, of course, here is supposedly it shouldn't be expensive to upgrade the Mac Pro. use newer Xeon chips. Obviously, there are far newer graphics processors. In fact, I don't know why they can't modify it to use more memory. You know, a little clever redesign. You have twice as many slots for memory. Why
3: not? I think you can upgrade the memory. And if you can't do it yourself... You can upgrade it, yes. But wouldn't you like more slots to upgrade memory? Well, I have 16 gigabytes in there. And my next machine will have 32 one way or the other. We had a discussion about this at the Mac Observer the other day, and we were looking at our swap space. In the activity monitor, you go to memory and look at swap space, and I was running 12 gigabytes of RAM and, and very little swap space, so I don't really get into that problem too much, even though I have a, a couple screenfuls of apps. So, yeah, but, but there are people who want to do that, and they have maybe gigabyte files that they need to process. There are four
2: memory slots in the Mac Pro. So you can add 16 to each, get a total of 64
3: gigabytes. That's the maximum. That irks people, too, because technically the Xeon chip should be able to access 128 gigabytes. I think there's a way to trick the machine into holding 128. Otherworld Computing in Illinois will do that for you, last I I checked. Yeah.
2: Okay, But but the thing is here is, in terms of development dollars, it would not cost much for Apple
3: to modernize it. What are they waiting for? Yeah. Yeah. We've been we've been waiting for a thousand and fifty days to Apple for Apple to say that uh, they're gonna refresh it, renew it, re-recommit to it, do something. It's, say uh, something. It's been now, sad.
2: Right. Now the KB Lake processors are just starting to ship in quantity. Maybe there's a new Xeon in the package. The ones I saw were only four core, but there may be an eight and twelve core. In the package coming this spring, Apple could update then. But Apple well, should say
3: something. Apple should say something. Now, the, issue try- is, are, the issue yeah. is, are they going to backtrack? You know, we had the giant cheese grater. Actually, my, I handed it down to my wife so it's still in the house. That giant cheese grater Mac Pro with the Halem processor from 2009 was really nice. I, I put a, an SSD into the uh, one of the slots, one of the status slots. And then gave it uh, 480 gigabytes of, of uh, storage. Um, it's, it's got lots of fans. It's a really nice computer. And very reliable and sturdy and, and well-ventilated and robust and lots of metal. Now the, the Mac Pro comes out, which is a little black cylinder. So now is Apple going to admit that they made a mistake? and come out with a machine that's more like the the cheese grater sort of in between a tweener this sort of little aluminum box that has some expandability or are they going to stay steadfast and say no thunderbolt 3 is the way to go we sell these closed boxes we don't even want our tech professionals m- messing around inside the machine and we're going to make you buy a new machine if you want it for more memory in the future so that we can make more revenue so No, the question is, how is Apple going to navigate its way through the next generation Mac Pro? And uh, maybe they haven't figured that out yet. Maybe they had some prototypes. Maybe they've changed their mind about how how they want to approach the market. Maybe Apple feels like the Mac Pro experiment was a failure and they don't want to talk about it and they're just going to let it linger. I wrote an article a while back that had a picture. I went into my local Apple store and took a photo of a Mac Pro. So it's still for sale at full price. You can walk into your local Apple store and buy a Mac Pro. At least my local store had them in stock. And it's sitting there next to a cinema display that's been discontinued now for months and months. And the salesman pointed it out to me. He said, oh, by the way, you can't buy that display anymore. It creates a really... Uncomfortable situation where you walk into the Apple store, it's so glorious and beautifully designed, and wood tables and fluorescent lights, and all this jazz and coolness. And you're confronted with a machine that's three and a half years old connected to a display that no longer is for sale. <laughs> so, ah, don't get me started.
2: You know, let's get away from Mac Pros. Yeah. Let's get away from Apple's image for Macs. Let's get away from the Surface Studio. Let's get away from the new computer from HP. Let's get to a product here, which I gather is not the best of the best at all in any way. It's Apple TV fourth generation.
3: My theory on the Apple TV fourth generation, was, which shipped in October of 2015, was that all throughout Early 2015, Apple was trying to work a deal with the studios to to generate a, a package subscription service. And as we know, that fell through. Apple wanted to charge about $40 a month. The, the trick was to get local stations signed up. That didn't happen. The trick was to create a desirable bundle and sell it for about $40 a month. The problem is, is that that would have undercut the studio's partners in the satellite and cable industry. And they squawked and probably didn't want Apple to have that attractive feature. So Apple was never able to work that. Even Eddie Cue's pers- powers of persuasion was not able to convince the studios and the networks to go with him on that. So the Apple and they wanted to bundle that with the fourth generation Apple TV, which has the ability to run a, a pure version of iOS and run apps. So it, it, it held off and held off and held off and finally Apple realized in October 15 that they weren't going to be able to deliver this subscription service and so they finally shipped the fourth generation Apple TV unbundled with a subscription package. It was probably ready to ship in the spring which means it was designed in 2014 and back in 2014 it made sense to not include 4k but at Christmas time of 2015 It was a little dicey to not include 4K support. We're going to break
2: in a moment. I want to throw a few things out to you, okay?
3: Okay. Number one, according to Target,
2: some 3,200 TVs were being sold every minute during Black Friday. I know. And most of these are 4K because if you look at the price list, you can buy a 4K set now for less than $300 from at least a midline manufacturer. So it has finally taken off. We've got more to come with John Martellaro of the Mac Observer. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night How Live. The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss army knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L E M K E SOFT.de slash gene. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
5: My computer is so slow, it's making me crazy. I used to have that problem. Did you quit using the computer or, or did you buy a new one?
8: No, I called Geeks On Site. They made an appointment to visit my home
5: and showed up the same day. You mean they didn't ask you to bring your computer to a shop? That's what happened when I called a support company.
8: Geeks On Site can go to your home or business or even repair your computer online.
11: They have 24 7 emergency service. If you are having problems with your PC or Mac, call Geeks On Site 1 800 591 1682. Our friendly certified computer repair. Experts are available 24-7. Call now for a free diagnosis, 1-800-591-1682. Data recovery, virus removal, and maintenance for all laptops, desktops, printers, and networks. That's Geeks On Site for friendly, certified computer repair experts, available 24-7 over the phone or in your home or business. Just call 1-800-591-1682. That's 1-800-591-1682. 1-800-591-1682.
8: This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480.
15: This is a life-changing message for anyone with sleep apnea who is on the go and tired of dragging around a big, bulky home CPAP device. Now there's finally a portable device that's as small as a soda can and weighs less than a pound. You can even add a battery that's as tiny as a deck of cards. It's the Transcend Mini CPAP, and if you're one of the first 100 callers, you can try Transcend risk-free for 10 days. So call now, 1-800-441-9833. Transcend is the world's first portable Mini CPAP device. It gives you the freedom to sleep in total comfort anywhere you are. Our smallest and most advanced portable design ever, Transcend is so small and so light, you can fit it in your briefcase or purse to use anywhere you go. It's FAA compliant, too, so you can even sleep comfortably while flying. To guarantee your 10-day in-home trial, you must be one of the first 100 callers to call MiniCPAP.com now. 1-800-441-9833. Again, that's one 800
5: Did you know your car can be hacked just like your computer or phone? Hackers can hijack the signal of your own key fob to burglarize your vehicle in seconds. The Black Hole Faraday Key Fob Bag is a signal impenetrable shield that stops these hacks in their tracks. Protect one of your most valuable assets. Go to HackProofBag.com. That's HackProofBag.com. And use promo code RADIO to get 20% off. Or call 805-222-4584. 805-222-4584
2: We have a new, by the way, streaming service, DirecTV Now. And you know what deal they've got there? You know, it's an introductory price of $35 a month, and they give you seven days free. And I've got this right here because they're trying to sell it to me. Of course, I'm not buying. But there it is anyway. But the thing is here, I had read, and I haven't looked at the offer, for the price of three months of service, $35, $70, $105, you get a 32-gigabyte version of the Apple TV from them. Not immediately. It takes a few weeks to ship. But they're bundling, which is the biggest insult of all to Apple, they're bundling an Apple TV for people who sign up. And now we have Apple with the Apple TV and no subscription
3: service. And no 4K and no HDR. So let me finish the thread here so it's october 2015 this fourth generation apple tv has 1080p it's late it's very late it was designed a year before maybe more so here we are christmas of 2016 in, in early 2016 the hd the uhd alliance settled on its specifications for hdr hdr is very important hdr is high dynamic range and it makes all the difference in the world and how the picture looks from any distance you may sit so, while you may would be worried about whether you can take advantage of the retina capability of 4K and having to sit too close to it to take advantage of it, HDR changes the ballgame. HDR makes the picture incredibly better no matter where you sit. That specification was ironed out at CES to, in January of 2016. All through the summer and uh, the fall of 2016, TV, 4K TVs have been selling with HDR10, which means 10 bits. So, because the Apple TV fourth generation was late, now Apple's in a position where it needs to update to 4K and HDR only one year later, annoying its customers, some of which wanted 4K back in October of 15. But, you know, Apple moves relentlessly forward. They leave the past behind, right? Apple comes out with new products every year, Right what's wrong with having a fifth generation apple tv at christmas of 2016 when 4k is going like gangbusters you cannot buy a a 1080p tv unless it's smaller than 40 inches anymore even if you can it's very cheap i've seen a few go ahead sure sure so why doesn't apple come out with a 4k plus hdr apple tv fifth gen a, a yearly update at christmas of 2016 to take advantage of all of the fanfare on october 18th roku released its 4k setup which included hdr at 60 frames per second amazon has a 4k fire that supports 4k tv other companies are taking advantage of this people say well there's no there's no content well that's changing quite a bit you can get 4K from Amazon Prime you can get it from Netflix you can buy a 4K Blu-ray player and buy 4K discs now DirecTV is streaming some content in 4K if you want to be able to watch some selected content and be state of the art and have fun and get your toes in the water with 4K there's plenty of opportunity for doing that so where's Apple with a 4K TV and they seem to be Tim Cook is that they have an intense interest in television, but that doesn't seem to be being matched by intense excitement and accomplishment in 4K. Don't know. It's a mystery again.
2: Well, it's a mystery because Apple obviously supports 4K. I mean, one of the reasons you have 5K is that you can edit
3: 4K video and have the menus visible. Right. You can shoot 4K with your phone. You can edit the 4K with Final Cut Pro on your 5K monitor But you can't watch 4K TV. And if Apple did have a 4K Apple TV, maybe the companies would be interested in helping Apple out by licensing 4K content to Apple, and they'd both make money. So if you say there's no content, it's because... Apple, which is very influential in the consumer community, doesn't have a 4K TV. There's there's no opportunity for any of these content providers to come to Apple and say, we've got this 4K content. We want to license it to you. We want to make some money. We know you sell millions of these fourth generations at 1080p. Let's all get on the 4K bandwagon and we'll we'll sell even more content. But Apple doesn't have a device so there's no opportunity for negotiations. And then people complain, well, there's no 4K content for me to watch on my Apple TV. It's a it's a vicious circle.
2: Just to let you know, I did some search about finding what they call a 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray player. That's pure 4K with HDR and everything. Mm-hmm. And the only model that's out now appears to be a Samsung UBD K8500. Also supports 3D. All the other 4K that you find is upscaling. What that means is it takes the standard Blu-ray image, 1080p, upscales it to 4K, which is what your 4K set does with content that isn't 4K, which is most of it right now. So in terms of Blu-ray, there are some Blu-ray DVDs that support Ultra HD. And fortunately, those Ultra HD Blu-ray discs are no more expensive. Than the others. I checked and you can find them over at Amazon. Yeah, so that's a reasonable. format that may not really appear in lots of players for probably the year. Next year you'll see them. So that's going to be another point where you'll see a lot of content in 4K. Finally, I think DirecTV is the only satellite service now that offers 4K content.
3: Right. Xfinity, Comcast seems somewhat behind. Their 4K DVR, from what I read, was delayed.
2: Well, I'll tell you
3: something, though.
2: I'm not going to be able to see it here, at least streaming, because we have free internet service where I live, which is nice. Except it's not super fast. It's fast enough for me to do the radio shows and everything. It's fast enough to view regular high-definition streaming content. 4K, it's at the borderline.
3: It'd have to be twice what it is now to support. Yeah, for 4K streaming, you need about 15 to 18 megabits per second minimum.
2: That's right. And to allow other people to go
3: online at the same time, you really want 30 or 40. But that's not uncommon these days. It used to be that, you know, the average household had about six down and about one and a half up. In the reading that I've been doing, it's not uncommon for households nowadays to have 20, 30, 40 megabits per second. The problem we have, John, is that where I live now...
2: You can't install anybody else's internet. It's wired into the home. You have Ethernet ports in several rooms. You plug it in, you get your internet. That's it. It's 15 down, 3 up. As I said, adequate for what I do, but not adequate for 4K. Now, they can upgrade that. They can go to the connection point in the clubhouse of this development and they probably, for not too great an expense, upgrade to 30 or 60.
3: And perhaps they'll do that in the near future if I'm still living here. I have no if idea. If you're a Comcast customer, getting 50 is not a big problem these days. If I could get
2: Comcast where I am, it would be cock. <laughs> John Martellaro, where can we
3: find more of your stuff? I'm senior editor at the Mac Observer www.macobserver.com. John, thanks for joining us on the
2: Tech Night Out Live, and have a happy holiday.
3: You're very welcome. It was a pleasure. Nice to see you again.
10: You are listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
17: How confident are you in your food storage? If it was all you had to rely on, would it sustain your family? Hard times, good times, or anytime? New Mana Storable Food is the proven superior choice. Learn for yourself what happened when one man ate only New Mana Storable Food for an entire month online at PowerPrepper.com. That's PowerPrepper.com. Experience the New Mana Difference.
1: America made food stores don't love to eat. Yum!
19: EPA says the air in our homes is up to five times more contaminated than outside air. The solution is not just to filter your air, but detox it. UVforlife.com now offers a doctor-recommended UVforlife.com sterilization unit to kill over 99% of viruses, bacterias, molds, and dangerous chemicals. Go to UVforlife.com. Add promo code GCN at checkout to save $100. That's U-V, the number four, life.com. UVforlife.com. Don't just filter your air. Detox it.
9: No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since
7: 1975. More reasons for four seasons
4: now. To find out more, call toll-free, 800-848-6333. That's 800-848-6333.
13: Will the government protect your family from Iran and North Korea's newest weapon, EMP? We buy guns to protect ourselves. Home, health, and car insurance for accidents. Maybe you also have food storage. But how would you keep your refrigerator running in a long-term EMP blackout? Using tested military designs, the Solark EMP hardened solar generator protects and powers your critical appliances for years without burying items underground or wrapping them in aluminum foil. Unlike other preps, Solark is used every day to
12: What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg.
2: We welcome Kirk McElhern from his fallacious state in the UK to join us today. Actually, he's the second UK guest we have on one of my shows. On our other show, The Powercast, we have a guy named Philip Mantle, who's from your country, or the country in which you live now. The
1: country
14: I live in, yeah.
2: Right, your adopted country, because you grew up in an area that bred politicians,
14: I gather. I I did. I grew up in Jamaica Estates, which is in Queens, New York, a couple of blocks from where Donald Trump was born. And about six or eight blocks from where the Trump family built a very large house some years after that. On the other side of Jamaica estates was the Cuomo family. So Mario Cuomo, the former U.S. governor, um, Andrew Cuomo, the current governor. I think Andrew's a year or two younger than me, but his sister was in my class in high school. I didn't know her personally. I I was in a very large high school, but she was in my same year in high school. Okay, so what happened to you? I don't know. I must have gone wrong because I could have been president. President McElhern, hmm. Hey, you know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> Jamaica States is a lovely neighborhood, though. Um,
2: yes, but it, it is a somewhat middle-to-upper-middle
14: middle income area, right? It's middle-to-upper-middle. Middle. Um, so my father was a, a plumber. He worked in the construction business. We were on the edge of Jamaica State, so we weren't upper-middle by any stretch of the imagination. A, a lot of the houses were just nice Queens houses. You know, they were they weren't row houses or anything. Um, they were nice houses. They didn't have a lot of land, but there were a few streets and, and there still are. Like the, the second Trump house was up on a hill on a, a, a street called Midland Parkway. Um, there are some streets with houses that have a fair amount of land around them. Um, big houses, nice houses. But I mean, all of my friends in Jamaica States were just middle class. It, it may have changed by now, but back then it was just you know, comfortable middle class. Back in the day when middle class, you know, when one person in a family could have a job and support a family, that kind of middle class. Well, that used to be the middle class everywhere. Yeah. Um, But here it was, you know, it was comfortable middle class, tree-lined streets, houses with nice lawns and things. But it wasn't, I mean, nothing like these McMansions you see in the States now, you know, these big, big houses. These are houses that were all built I'm thinking uh, some of them probably date back before World War II, some of them after. Um, the apartment building that I lived in, because we didn't even live in a house, we lived in an apartment building. Um, it was built sometime I'm thinking in the early '60s, because we moved in when it was new. We had lived in a, a house we had lived in a house a few blocks further south, technically in Jamaica, until I was around four, and then this apartment building um, was built, and we moved in there.
2: Well, I looked at a place I used to live in Brooklyn, New York, 102 Newport Street. That's right near the heart of all the Murder Incorporated and everything from the 30s. And that house, I lived there probably from the time I was in early grade school till I was 9 or 10 years old, maybe a little bit longer. The house is still there. It doesn't look bad. I looked at Google Earth And it showed me something that brought back a lot of memories. I suspect they had remodeled. I suspect that based on percentage of income, it costs a lot more to rent it because a lot of places in Brooklyn have become very expensive.
14: Yeah, yeah, Brooklyn has um, gotten gentrified a bit. Um, I'm just looking on Google Maps. Um, This was technically in Brownsville, or at least it's now called Brownsville. Um, north of Canarsie. um, To one side, you've got East Flatbush, the other side, East New York, um, Crown Heights. It's like, yeah, as you say, the Murder Incorporated, that's like the heart of of Brooklyn from back then.
1: Right,
2: you have Amboy Street, you have Hopkinson Avenue, and Newport Street.
14: And so Bedford-Stuyvesant was a bit to the northwest. Bushwick is north. Um, So my father grew up in Brooklyn. He grew up in Greenpoint. Um, Greenpoint is... I'm trying to find where it is in relation to all this. Greenpoint is further north. It's basically opposite Long Island City, and it's a lot closer. It's, it's north of the Brooklyn Bridge. So the Brooklyn Bridge goes to Williamsburg, and Greenpoint is north of there. You know, by the way, nowadays, if you try to sell the Brooklyn Bridge, they say it's too
2: cheap. Probably. Bum bum But looking yeah. at the okay. past look- here, and we're not living in the past, folks, but there's an article you quote over at Kirkville, an article called "Forgotten Audio Formats." It's an article from Ars Technica, and this is interesting. Wire recording.
14: Now, does anyone remember wire recording? That that's way before my time, and it's something I, I noticed. I mean, it, I put I just basically linked to this article, and I mentioned that you know I'd heard of this, I didn't know anything about it. One of the interesting things is that. I mean, these were used in the 50s and and later. Um, They were mostly used before that. But the only live recordings of Woody Guthrie were done on wire. And someone wrote a comment to my article, let me just read it, saying that there were also recordings of Charlie Parker on wire recorder. And some of them um, have since been rescued and transferred to other media.
2: Well, you know, it's very interesting here. With something like that, they can probably get a pretty good quality of the original. But I remember in the 50s and 60s, the early stages of getting consumer-level tape recorders. So I used to stutter, believe it or not, till I was going be 12 years old, 11, 12. And I was still living, by the way, at 102 Newport Street, so it was longer than <laughs> I thought before. And I remember getting this device for about $30. My parents brought it at uh, one of the department stores. And it was a recording device that used a magnetic head and magnetic substance on a disc, like a record. Really? I don't remember it that. A, like, it was a floppy sort of disc, like a record. Yeah. And the thing lasted maybe a week before it <clears throat> broke. Oh, wasn't a very okay. good one. I mean, eventually, my parents bought me a real tape recorder. But I played Did, did with you that. have a woolen sack? Pardon? Did you have a woolen sack? I did not have a Revere or a woolen sack.
14: Ah, uh, my, I had a my father had one of, of those woolen sacks.
2: They were terrific. I had a VM, Voice of Music. Okay. All right? I mean, this is going back years. Now, this particular recorder, I do not remember the name of this disc-based magnetic recorder. But... Over a week, I recorded stuff, I listened to the playback, and you know what? Within a week, I was no longer stuttering. Really? That's yeah. interesting. I kind of taught myself. You know, I'm kind of proud of myself Good. that I was able to get away with it. Yep. Okay. So that was it. But that's the early days of recording, but why are... Oh, Sure. I remember. I also had a very cheap recording device that made records. I mean, you'd play them ten times, they were toast. You know, it it almost reminded me of the acetates that are generated by professional vinyl mastering systems, where they they convert that acetate into the pressing of the actual record and you got to think about that now how important that is because vinyl is doing what half a billion dollars
14: business a year now yeah but that's just i I think that's anecdotal i mean it's it's not nothing but most of the people who buy vinyl don't even listen to it they they buy it as collectibles they buy it because it looks cool I don't remember where the article was, and I believe that I linked to it on my site, um, the survey. It's like few and half of the people who buy vinyl stuff listen to it at all. It's a collectible to them. Yeah, and and I bought some vinyl um, records as well recently um, for two reasons. One is a collectible and another to support specific artists who I really like who've released some records on vinyl. Let's go more into
2: the recording methods of the past, which vinyl is. Although, technically, it's still present. We have Kirk McElhern. He's the iTunes guy for Macworld. He also has Kirkville at com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
4: That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com.
5: If you or someone you care about loves outdoor adventure, then check out Slingbow.com for some unique holiday gift ideas. That's Slingbow.com, where we have some innovative new products for the archer, hunter, or bow fishing enthusiast in your family. Now through January, use the promo code HOLIDAY to get free shipping in the U.S. or Canada. And from all of us at Slingbow Industries, have a safe, joyous, and peaceful holiday season.
0: I'm David Hall, founder of Diamond Gusset Jeans, here to wish you all a Merry Christmas. For over 20 years, we have built a loyal customer base with 100% American-made jeans, featuring enhanced fit, comfort, durability, and style. Today, all of our inventory is discounted by 20%, so don't delay. Enjoy a wonderful shopping experience at gusset.com. Thanks for keeping our American dream alive, the original Diamond Gusset Jean.
9: Call a place for mom in the next 10 minutes to get your free ebook on financing senior care as well as free information on senior living communities in your area. Call 1 800 704 6182. That's 1 800 704 6182.
12: What are you listening to? The Tech Night Isle Live with Gene Steinberg. What's going to happen next? You never know.
1: Ah,
2: vinyl. You know, there's kind of a romantic aspect of vinyl because with digital, you just play the thing. With CD, you pop a disc. It doesn't have that kind of veneer. With vinyl, you go through a ritual. You take it out of its sleeve and then you clean it with something. You stick it on the player. Now, they do sell, like in these discount stores, like a Sam's Club, a combo AM, FM, CD. And record player for like $100 or $150. They don't sound that good, but they're selling a million or two of them a year. Yeah.
14: I don't know. Um, I think it's just, you know, the ritual. It's like, hey, I grew up with this stuff. There's no ritual. You take the record out, you put it on the thing and you move the, either you have a turntable with an automatic um, tone arm or you put it on yourself. You may want to use one of those brushes to clean it off to get all the dust off because, you know, this is not a digital um, thing. And so dust does get in the way. But no, I I lived through this. There's absolutely no need to do this again. Uh, Vinyl doesn't sound better. Uh, i don't care if anyone listening you can disagree all you want vinyl does not sound better vinyl is distorted when people talk about the warmth of vinyl what they're talking about is the distortion in the playback it's because of just the nature of the playback is is a diamond vibrating in plastic grooves going around and wearing them out as it goes around and every time you play it you wear down the grooves a bit and it starts hitting the highest frequencies first so this warmth that you hear is actually a lack of high frequencies. The they, other
2: thing to bear in mind, too, is the surface noise. Like a tape hiss or a soft surface noise has kind of a soothing impact. And, you know, a bit of cracks and popple, just gentle cracks and pops. Yeah, I don't,
14: I don't find it gentle. And particularly, if you're listening to loud music, you may not notice it. But if you're listening to something... Um, quiet classical music or ambient music or something, um, you hear every single pop and click. And I, I remember listening to Brian Eno's um, Music for Airports back in the day on vinyl, and it was frustrating. It really was. And so there were certain albums like that that as soon as I would get them, I would clean them as perfectly as I could. So you'd get those yellow cleaning cloths, and then you'd get those brushes with the really thin bristles that you'd hold on as the record spins around. And then I would play them and record them onto cassettes. So I would have a clean copy to listen to and not have to worry about damaging the record and getting all the pops and clicks. Again, I only did this for the quiet records and and not that many of them. You know, maybe a dozen. But I don't want to go through this again. Well, you know, the other issue you had was inner groove distortion.
2: So a rock band, if they really want to organize their albums, and of course, it's not like concept albums, but the stuff with all the high energy you don't want on the inner grooves. Because the quality of the sound was not
14: nearly as good. Well, it's not that it's distortion. So here's the way to think of it. The, That's what we called it at the time. Did you? Okay. But it's not it's technically it's not distortion, it's a lack of fidelity. So as a record spins, it spins at a fixed speed, and the outer grooves are longer for that same speed than the inner grooves are. So you actually have more room to put the sound in the outer grooves. It's it's like on the outer grooves, you can do 60 frames per second. And on the inner grooves, you can do 15 frames per second, right? So you get the best quality at the beginning of a side. Um, and if you want your best song to be at the end of the album, which is often where it should be, right? Um, you know, Thunder Road on Born to Run. It's its the ideal closing song for the album. It's the one that will have the least fidelity and that will suffer the most if it's high volume in particular. So just think, folks, on the great album, Sergeant
2: Pepper. A Day in the Life, being the last song on the album, is on the inner groups. That's right. With all those orchestral effects and everything that were done yep. by George Martin back in what, 1966? Seven, 66. Yep. And I remember when it first came out. I was living in a furnished apartment with my first wife in Tuscumbia, Alabama right near Muscle Shoals, next town over to Muscle Shoals where all that great stuff was being done by Rick Hall and everyone. Mm -hmm. I lived that close. I could have driven there, but I didn't have a car at the time. And I remember it came out on June 1st, Sgt. Pepper, okay? June 1st. And it was a June 1st, and I got the album on May 31st. And I was listening on a $29.95 record player, picked into it's a decent, kind of, an, kind of a mid-level, low-mid-level sound system. Yeah, but that's not cheap for the time. It was a basic home portable record player, portable being that it had like a carrying handle, and you plug it into a wall socket. Now, what right ahead, I had done, because good. I was a... F- who would like to play with things, is I changed out most of the parts. Figured. So the arm and the cartridge and the needle were higher grade. Yep.
14: You see? That's how we did it, it. You know, I'm just thinking that 50 years next year, in six months, we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. If there's one if there's one rock album that is truly a milestone, it's Sgt. Pepper. It really is. Whether or not you like it, um, the songs on it, the approach... Um, the recording, even the visuals, that was that is a milestone. Well, what can I tell you? Interestingly, Wikipedia says that it was recorded between the twenty fifth of November, twenty uh, fourth of November, nineteen sixty six, and the twenty first of April, nineteen sixty seven. So they finished it at the end of April, and they mixed it and produced it relatively quickly to get it out in the first of June. Now, do you remember if the album you bought... I really wouldn't have mattered, but was it mono or stereo when you bought it? If you had a portable record player, you could only listen in mono. You know what? We
2: also had a cheap record changer that my brother had given me. All right? So, yes, we got the stereo version because we didn't use the other record player. We used the one that Wally had given us. So he gave us, like, one of his pass-me-down kind of record changers. And I also did a lot of customization. Remember, I was building radio kits from the time I was 12 years old. I built stereo systems and stuff like that. So it was no big deal to me to take just about everything on these cheap systems and do something better with them. I mean, I didn't pay for it, except for, you know, $10 here, $20 there. I hate to tell you what I was making working at the second radio station I was employed at. And then the third radio station, I mean, it was not minimum wage, but not much more. Yeah. Those were the days anyway. So about vinyl there's a point about vinyl.
8: There's a romantic
2: thing about vinyl that has nothing to do with the sound quality. But the way it's distorted, analog distorts, it sounds pleasing to the ear. Not accurate, but pleasing. What made this opinion about vinyl and analog being better is because the first CDs to come out were not done properly. They were not mastered properly. They used the very heavily equalized record
14: masters. And when well, they you, use them, they use the master tapes that were mastered for LP. And that's right. They use the vinyl LP, the same way as master CDs. They use the LP masters.
2: And you can't do that because I was in occasionally, I w- was in a mastering studio where I saw some of the real greats of the time doing their work. And they showed me this is what I have to do to get good sound out of your vinyl, out of your record. And it's also, you think about the trade-off here. They had to make it sound good, the final product, but also work, for the most part, on the $29.95 record player, the cheapy record player that you buy for your kids. And the radio, yeah. And the radio at the same time. And I remember we had a mastering assignment project done by bob ludwig one of the most famous mastering engineers of all time and i talked to him on the phone he was a really nice gracious guy all these famous people are and we were having a little problem with this 45 that he did and he said look let me work on it again but i use the 29 dollar record player i have it right here i make sure all these things will play without skipping especially you know rock high energy rock because we can't have that i make sure in advance he did it again it was fine it was just cut a little bit too hot that was all but you know i learned about the trade-offs and so if you think you're getting an accurate version of your recording from vinyl or any analog system sorry folks you're not if you like
14: it fine but it's not better
2: we have kirk I i think there's
14: an element of nostalgia driving this
2: Kirk and Gene Steinberg on the Tech Night Out Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
2: As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap, but not all hosting is the same. DreamHost wins best of awards year after year, you get unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, and even the low-cost plans put your sites on high-performance SSDs. Want to know more about what DreamHost has to offer? Go to technightowl.com/host. Once again, that's technightowl.com/host.
15: There is an affordable alternative to the high cost of health care that offers freedom from insurance while providing compliance with the Obamacare individual mandate. Imagine having access to quality, affordable health care that allows you the freedom to choose your doctor and hospital. Members can share up to 100% of necessary medical expenses, including some alternative treatments. Find out how you and your family can contain health care costs without giving up your freedom. Go to libertyoncall.org. That's libertyoncall.org.
9: Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
2: All right, enough about vinyl resurgence. It's fun, though. You know, I'm not going to say don't listen to vinyl, don't use your LP player. You know what? Well, I'd get one here if I, you know, had some extra money to throw out just for the heck of
14: it. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't for, bother. Really, as I said, I've been through this. I don't need to do it again.
2: Well, you know, I ran CDs real fast. When CDs came out in the mid-80s, as soon as I got that first generation of players out of the way, as soon as... Hi, Gene. What was that Siri? Yes, it says here, hey, soon as I got that first generation... Yeah. And Siri responds, hygiene. Do you think I'm dirty? Is that what it is? You want me to check my hygiene, Siri? Siri has been doing that lately. has been interrupting me on the radio show. I think it's possessed because we do a paranormal radio show. Siri is possessed. That's it right there. No,
14: Siri just isn't very good. Today, I want to make some eggs, right? Poach some soft-boiled eggs, three minutes. So what do I do? I tell my watch. Three minutes. And it says to me, okay, I'll tap you when it's time. And I waited and I was doing other thing in the kitchen and I waited. And then I realized that it wasn't going to tap me and my eggs were ruined. I've given up on Siri now. That was Celestra. It almost never does anything useful for me, but that was Celestra. Well, there you go. On the other hand, as far as
2: nostalgia is <coughs> concerned, I like the old fashioned washing machines that don't have all the electronics because they don't break down in five or ten years and they don't come fair enough. like a Samsung washing machine. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, well, nobody cares about what I'm talking about
14: here. We're a bunch of old men crabbing. Well, what's interesting is that this vinyl nostalgia is for people who are too young to have known it. So it's a sort of projected nostalgia, if you will. They they want to have this experience that they never had. It's not that they're reliving something that they did have, which would be the case if you and I bought turntables and vinyl records today. Exactly. I remember talking to a friend
2: in the audio business who's been on the Tech Nine Out Live, Bob Carver, who's kind of a legend. He's been around for years. They have Bob Carver fests, conventions, and everything now. He produces $4,000 and $10,000 tube amplifiers. He used to make affordable hi-fi. And one of the big things he would do is put some kind of equalization adjustment on his CD players so it would sound like analog. He would, you know, roll yeah, you off can, the highs, yeah, sure, and that. he'd raise to the distortion. he would do all this stuff to make it sound like an analog player, a record player, without the surface noise. He would also Mm -hmm. do the same thing with his solid-state amplifiers. He'd make them sound like tube amplifiers by making it sound worse.
14: And people, you know, went crazy over it. It's an interesting concept that this very slight distortion pleases some people. I think, you know, on one hand you have the audiophiles who are really into vinyl, and then you have sort of average people who probably don't have very good audio systems. I can't imagine that on an, an average $300 audio system, you know, cheap app, cheap speakers, you're going to hear that much of a difference between vinyl and CD. But for the audiophiles, I find it surprising because their whole sort of existence is based on making music sound as neutral as possible, as close to as possible as it sounded in the studio or uh, on the live performance that was recorded. Yet, they have to be aware that vinyl does introduce distortion. I'm just not sure what it is about this sort of distortion that pleases people. It's not noticeable. Um, If you were to play me the two sounds of vinyl and CD, one after the other, I would certainly hear the difference on most recordings, um, but it depends on what kind of music it is. But I'm just, I'm a little perplexed as to why people find it more appealing. Maybe because there's less high-end and the high-end does grate a little bit, um, if you have something with a lot of high-end. But I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's perplexing. Like tube amps and all, you get people who are interested in that. Tube amps introduce a different kind of distortion. It's much more uniform. Um, in vinyl, it really depends on which frequencies you're dealing with. And as you said earlier, um, where a song is on the record, if it's on the outside or the inside. Whereas a tube amp is fairly even distortion across the frequency range. And like I said, the effects are well-known.
2: And if you want to duplicate those effects, they're easily done, a solid-state amplifier. In fact, one time Carver told me, you pick an amplifier out, and I will make my solid-state amplifier sound identical. Obviously, he's saying pick an amplifier like a tube amp that has a distinctive sonic signature not that's transparent. Hmm. But, but the real test of the accuracy of a recording is to take the original master tape, take the copy and do a double-blind, level-matched listening test and see if you can hear the difference. If you can't, I think that's a good job because if you want to duplicate the sound of that original master, that's the perfect recording medium. If you want to create a totally different performance or a totally different sound, you can do all sorts of stuff after. You might take, for example, a master recording, and you know what? We don't want to go back in there and do that again. There are a few things here I don't like. Let's fix it. In the version that is sold to customers, they'll do that anyway. Okay, let's go from the old-fashioned or the nostalgic <coughs> to the new. You got a headline here, provocative headline, Kirk. Apple's five provocative you provocative okay. Apple's five okay. K display bait <coughs> and switch. Tell me
14: that's not provocative. Well, I guess it's a little bit provocative, but it's pretty honest. What, what I was writing about there was the fact that, so when, when Apple introduced the new MacBook Pro, what is it, more than a month ago, right? Um, October, it was in October, and then they made this whole big thing about how great it was for Pro users, and especially with this 5K display, you're just going to love this because you just have one cable to plug in your MacBook Pro, and you've got all these Thunderbolt ports in the back. Well, the problem is that you can't buy one of these 5K displays. I mean, they were selling you a computer with a display saying, you know, here's your workstation and you can't buy one of these. They're still not available. Since so many people complained about the price of the MacBook Pro, Apple cut the price of these two LG displays by 25%. Um, So there's a 21.5 inch and a 27 inch. Uh, The 21.5 inch is a 4K display and I believe it's available. Um, And the, the 27 inch is the 5K display and it's not available and hasn't been, although a few days ago, it went on sale briefly, and some people were able to order it. It's a bait and switch because they're telling you buy this computer and you'll get this great display and they can't get you the display. And they said, well, we got this special pricing for a limited amount of time, which is going to end at the end of December. But is this thing even going to ship by the end of December? Or are they going to take orders on December 30th that'll ship in you know six to eight weeks? Well, if they and, honor the price, that's okay. But the question here is, who is at fault? Is it Apple well, because they designed the product with LG? Is it LG's it fault it for not matter. shipping? Okay. Okay, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So I, I ripped off of this idea to mention the fact that Apple just can't ship anything on time other than iPhones. Every time they announce something lately, it gets delayed. Um, we've seen it. I mean, the MacBook Pro, they announced it. I think it's still at three to four weeks. I know some people have started getting them, but they're announcing a fairly major product in their catalog, and they're unable to deliver it for months. This is just amateurish. They announced the AirPods, and they were supposed to be released some weeks ago, and they've been delayed, and apparently Tim Cook replied to someone in an email, well, in the next few weeks, so maybe before the end of the the year, but probably not before Christmas, which would be a good time for them to sell them. And it really makes me question Apple's ability to release any kind of product that's not an iPhone on time and if you go back three years and Tim Cook had said that the Mac Pro early in 2013 I think Tim Tim Cook said something like the MacBook Pro will have a new one by the end of the year and they did indeed release it on December 19th and only a handful of them shipped and and it wasn't for six months until you could get that Mac Pro in any reasonable um, period of time. I remember but I looked up as we were talking Apple's
2: U.S. store online. Okay. The 13 and 15-inch MacBook Pro. If you want the one without the touch bar, you get it now. If you want the one with the touch bar, okay, with the touch bar, two to three weeks. So they're still saying technically they'll get it to you before Christmas. If you want to order an iPhone 7 Plus, they'll deliver by the 22nd. They're committing to that. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, the thing here is, if this is normal with Apple, especially when they've got a product with a lot of new technology, a lot of new things to ramp up production, you could have two choices here. I don't think Apple's holding back on the MacBook Pro. Let's do our break, and we'll have more with Kirk McElhern on the Tech Night Out Live. As you know, neighbors, web hosting can be pretty cheap.
9: I don't think Apple, obviously, is
2: holding back on the MacBook Pro. It serves their interest to get those things into the hands of customers as quickly as possible. So, you know, it's one of those things that takes so much time, but it's not as if Apple was going to wait, say, we'll introduce this on January 1, knowing that we can ship immediately. No, they'll try to get as many sales, pre-sales, in before the holiday season, even though it might be running late. And the same is true with the LG display. Yes, it would be nice, but Apple is not refusing to deliver them and LG is not refusing to build them. It may indeed take a little while to ramp up production more than they hope for.
14: First of all, you can't order the 5K display. It's not that you you order and and it says three to four weeks, but you can't order it yet. Um, The second thing is if you're buying this for professional use, and you're you're planning on buying a MacBook Pro for for, for professional use along with a computer uh, display like that you need to know when you're going to get it apple should not be announcing products that they can't ship for 3 months it's just wrong apple has been doing that for a while they announced the gas note what you know this, yeah you go through the last few years of iPhones they've had back this is recent this is recent. The, the only thing, the iPhone always comes out at the same time of year. There is usually a rush, and there wasn't a rush with the 6S. Um, the 6S was widely available very quickly. There's usually a rush um, for some of the models early on, but they get resolved relatively quickly. It's much more problematic with the Mac, and it's been getting worse with the Mac, whereas it's been getting better with the iPhone. No, I think it's just ridiculous that they've got computers that they haven't upgraded in a while, and they're simply, they're just like, okay, we'll ship whenever we get around to it, kind of. That's just wrong. You'll notice here that problem happens when they do
2: a major change of some sort. Like the Mac Pro was a totally new design. The MacBook Pro is a very different design. So
14: that may explain why it's taken longer to ship. Now with the iPhone 7 Plus, now with the iPhone 7- Hold on, hold on, Gene, that's not an excuse. They should just not announce the product until they're ready to ship it. If they have to announce this in October, but they can't ship it widely until December or January, they should not announce it. They should announce it uh, when they've got stock that they can ship. And particularly, again, because of this display, they announced it with this display, showing how well the two work together. It's just wrong to talk about something like that when you know you're not going to be able to ship it. Well, when it comes to the display, like I said, it may be the fault of LG. It may be a last minute thing. I
2: don't know, but I assume the display panels are very much the same as the 27-inch iMac and the 21.5-inch iMac. It
14: might be exactly the same. I don't. I think it might
2: even be LG who makes them. No. Yes, LG does make displays for Apple, so it's probably the same. Look. I understand your point. I guess at one point we can agree about that, that Apple should be prepared to ship merchandise when it is launched. But they're going to do what they're going to do. It's a matter of a marketing decision. It's not a matter of anything else. They're not holding back. This is how long it takes. How long it takes is how long it takes. They made this marketing decision, and there it is. Now, if you're a professional user and you know this, Okay, something all new from Apple, major new design. It's going to take a few months to get production up. You're just going to have to put up with it. Unless you need
14: the computer today, buy it in January, big deal. I I think for the most successful computer company in the world to be in a situation where they can't announce a product and ship it, I think it just shows that Apple is run by some very incompetent people. I mean, everyone raved about how great Tim Cook was managing supply chains and and who certainly helped Apple make the iPhone so profitable. But Tim Cook is no longer managing supply chains. We don't know who is. I, I don't think it's down to one person having, you know, some sort of supply chain magic spell or something, but it's just for a company of Apple's level. It's just wrong. I mean, can you imagine if Ford announces a new car and they don't ship for three months and then you can get the car, but you can't get the the tires or something like that? It's just, come on. I I, I can't understand people who are trying to apologize um, for this. Okay, just to identify who's responsible. Jeff
2: Williams is the chief operating officer at Apple. His job is to oversee the supply chain, service and support. So when it comes to something like producing new gear, He's the guy who reports to Tim Cook. He's the guy who basically replaced Tim Cook. Right. Jeff Williams. It's Jeff Williams fault. Let's call for his head. They call for Tim, oh, it's Cook's, Tim Cook's head. Swap. No, no. Let's it's call Tim Cook's for swap. Jeff Williams' head. Fire him if he can't get these products out on time. By the way, who's the chief operating officer for LG? Who is responsible for them getting absolutely the,
14: getting these displays out on time? Yeah, but LG didn't announce this display Apple did. LG isn't selling this on their own, are they? I, I don't think they are. I think they're only selling it through Apple. It's a display that they made for Apple. Um, with it Apple sounds like Apple. it's a custom design yeah. and probably the first attempt
2: by LG to do something of this nature. Because if you look at it, how many different models of 5K displays are there? handful. How many yeah, use no, no. a single cable? I don't think any. I think this is, this is, this is the first. Okay, so you're using new technology, and it takes time. It's a matter of marketing, whether you like it or not. Look, if you really don't like it, don't buy it. Wait three I'm months. I'm not. I mean, am not I'm, Okay, the point is well, here: if I'm a professional user, and I'd love to and have you a pair need of, a new computer, and I want to get and a 5K display that operates with a single cable. Where do I go? Where do I go? Which competitor? It, How many PCs have that? port that i can use most likely none right now right far exactly can, the, the exactly
14: unless i six. wait for apple my choice is zero yeah but maybe you don't care about the port you care about having a, a fast laptop and a 5k display i don't i don't think people are choosing this display because of the port they're choosing it because it works well with the macbook pro and because the MacBook Pro happens to have the USB-C. I now, don't think unless any-
2: you have a business need to get a new computer today. Wait till January. Who cares? My money's just as good in January.
14: Maybe I'll get yeah. my Christmas bonus from the boss. Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't forget that there are businesses who have financial years and budgets Um, and money that they may have this year that they may not have next year. Um, I know. Well, maybe that's the point why Apple released it, figuring the businesses may have to pay now, but they're going to have to wait. That's it. Look, we can argue argue about this. That would be one thing.
2: We can argue to the end of time what Apple does. Apple's going to do what they're going to do. It'd be nice to be able to order something and have it the very next day. And I know... I have waited I have waited weeks or months for products that Apple announced. I remember buying new power books in the 1990s when I really had money. I'd buy these power books and I'd wait. And I'd wait several months to get them. So it's not the first time Apple has had supply chain issues or production problems. And some of these products I ordered after Tim Cook was running the production and supply chain. We've got a lot more to come. We'll move on to other topics. With Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, I'm Gene Steinberg, and that means you're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
0: Are you retired or facing retirement and you're afraid your income is going to be less than you'd like? I'm Pharmacist Keith. Dr. Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy, and I want to show you a low-cost way to create your own business, working around your current schedule, creating extra income that will last for years to come, by joining Dr. Wallach's crusades, spreading his message of better health. To learn more, visit radio.recordedvideo.com. That's radio.recordedvideo.com.
8: Radio.recordedvideo.com. Or call 866-257-3105 for a recorded message. This is Ben Gordon, and if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, Power Swabs is the answer. In five minutes, you'll see two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. There's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes, and you're done. To try Power Swabs, call 1-800-290-8480. Your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free. 1-800-290-8480. That's 1-800-290-8480. Attention
16: small business owners. Want to save money on your employee health insurance plan? Learn the little-known solution that could save thousands of dollars on your health insurance benefits and save your employees money, too. Call Health Markets for a free consultation, and one of our 3,000 local agents will show you how to make health care reform work for you. We'll design customized solutions for your business that can lower health care costs for you and your employees. We'll work directly with you to determine your needs. We search thousands of health plans from over 180 health insurance companies nationwide. You'll also find out if tax credits could save you money. Best of all, the service is free of charge. See why Health Markets has enrolled Americans in more than 2 million insurance policies. You don't have to wait for open enrollment to lower your cost.
13: Call now. Find out how much you and your employees could be saving. Representatives are standing by to assist you. Call 800-930-5137. That's 800-930-5137. 800-930-5137
6: Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Injury help desk is responsible for this advertisement. Principal Office, Las Vegas, Nevada. This ad is not legal advice, and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisements. Services may not be available in all states. Attention heartburn drug users. If you or a loved one has taken Nexium, Prevacid, or Prilosec to treat heartburn, acid reflux, or indigestion, and suffered serious kidney damage, chronic kidney disease, or kidney failure, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Studies from the JAMA Internal Medicine indicate a significant increased risk of acute and chronic kidney disease from taking proton pump inhibitors. If you or a loved one was diagnosed with kidney failure or chronic kidney disease after taking Nexium, Prevacid, or Prilosec to treat heartburn, acid reflux, or indigestion, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Act now. Time is limited to file a claim. For a free consultation and free information, call Injury Help Desk now. You may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. Call 800-225-8944. That's 800-225-8944. Again, 800-225-8944. Call now. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl
12: Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next.
2: On the Tech Night Owl Live, obviously Kirk McElhern is strongly concerned about Apple not getting these products out on time. He'd like them to maybe hold off and do the announcement later on when they know they've got plenty to ship. And that's how it is. Look with the iPhone 7 Plus. Maybe the demand was higher than they expected. Maybe building the dual camera display is more difficult. I don't know. I do know. If you want to really support this show, join Tech Night Out Plus at plus.technightowl.com. plu We give you the best thing of all—the commercial-free version of this show, better audio, for a modest subscription rate starting at just four dollars ninety-nine cents a month, or whatever your monetary system is—I'm not going to translate that to pounds and pence and stuff, or euros. Four ninety-nine U.S. dollars a month, and our system, our order system, will figure it out for you if you live somewhere else, and they'll do it right. We have Kirk McElhern, and we're going to move on, but Kirk is very concerned, as you see, with Apple announcing products that cannot deliver on time. And the guy stopped that. Now, here's another thing that concerned me about. You see what's happening here. We attack Apple, and it's freaking Siri out right now. (laughs) Kirk, you got to watch it. I mean, Siri is just having conniptions here.
14: Just a moment. Siri, are you having conniptions?
1: I used to be on a diet
15: of pure ideology back in the 80s.
14: You know, those Siri jokey responses, they were funny for about a week. Um, We're years into this, and I would rather that Siri work and be useful than have these snarky answers. Well, you know what?
2: Siri puts the S in snark, and I agree with you, but Siri is fine with me. I don't go crazy on Siri. I don't use it on my Mac. Let's get back to the MacBook
14: Pro. You're still not going to buy one, right? No, 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 not at this price. I think it's just overpriced for what it is, and I'm hearing from a lot of people that the touch bar is just not that much worth paying for, that there are all sorts of issues. In fact, um, just on Twitter before we started, someone was pointing out how the Siri button in the control strip on the touch bar, so that's on the, the right side of the touch bar, is close to the delete key, and a lot of people keep hitting it accidentally, I think the touch bar, and I wrote about this when it was released, um, I think it would have been better if the touch bar was wider. If you look at the pictures and you look at the touch bar, it's the width of the function keys on a laptop. They could have moved the whole keyboard down just a bit and made it the width of the regular keys, which is the way the function keys are on Apple's Magic Keyboard, on their wireless keyboard, and on their wired keyboards as well. Um, It's only on the laptop that they're so narrow. So those keys are awfully narrow. They're a tough target to hit. And if they are that close to the other keys, and you're going to keep hitting them because of the way you touch your keyboard, that's not going to make it very useful. But they're virtual keys. You can make them any width you want, right? No. No. No, no, you can't make them any width you want. It's like icons in a toolbar that you can customize. You can drag and drop them and move them around, but you can't change the width of the buttons. Okay, Apple, listen to that.
2: Redesign it. Send Jonathan Ive back to the drawing board with his crew. Now, I want to talk about this before we go also about defects. And there is a real serious defect in the MacBook Pro that Apple has fixed, but if you are impacted by it, you're going to probably have to replace it. And that's the buggy audio driver for boot camp. All right?
14: That's a a pretty stunning story.
2: Yes, it is. We did a story on at technightowl.com, by the way. And I want to talk about this real briefly. So here's what happens. You'll hear a crackling sound in the speaker on the MacBook Pro. And then after that, the sound is always distorted. Now, here's my theory. Listen to this here. And I got this theory when I talked to Kyle Weens of iFixit. And he told me he tore down the 15 and the 13 inch. And he said the speakers on these new models, it's actually two speakers in one. It's a mid-range, I wouldn't call it a woofer. So a mid-range and a tweeter. Very tiny tweeter. Now, one thing we know about tweeters, they tend to be delicate. So perhaps because of this bug, it sent a big spike of audio down and the tweeter got fried. It's a fried tweeter. That's what it was doing, and that was the problem. Apple fixed the bug. There's a software update that fixes it. If you're impacted by the bug, where the sound becomes distorted after you hear that crackling sound or whatever, it's not fixable. You've fried the tweeter. So what happens is you have to take it to Apple, and Apple's basically going to have to replace your MacBook Pro. The problem is, as we've been talking about for several segments here, hey, folks, they don't have them in stock yet. So you may have a defective MacBook Pro with bad speakers and you either put up with it, you use your headphones, or you wait
14: for the replacement from Apple, which could be a few weeks away. Yeah, now- but they usually do have them in stock. They usually keep a number of units available for such things. When I got the first Apple Watch, there was a problem in the very first one I got, and I got an immediate replacement, even though you know it was still at like four weeks delivery. So they do keep a certain amount aside for this sort of problem Uh, because it really looks bad if if someone's just bought a new computer and they have to replace it in in this particular problem you can still use the computer but there are others where maybe i don't know the display is bad and you can't even use it um they can't leave you without a computer that's just wrong i saw a couple of examples i read about that in their
2: particular case the local dealers didn't have it in stock the local dealers don't um apple might apple should be able to do it The thing here is that's Apple's job to clarify. They should say no matter what happens, we'll get a replacement to you in a few days, which is fine. That makes reasonable sense, not three or four weeks. The local dealer, the local genius, maybe not. And maybe if you ordered a customized model, you know, with the largest solid-state drive because it can't be replaced or different processor, different graphics card, harder. If you get a standard configuration, it'll work. But right now, just a word to the wise, because you have to go back into bootcamp, I guess, to install the new drivers,
14: is very simple. Under Windows mode, use your headphones. I find this a very surprising problem that the sound could be so basically what it seems like is the sound was so loud that it actually blew the tweeters that's Um, what i was saying it was sending a spike down it's like for example you can do it
2: sometimes on your audio system if you have a really powerful amplifier and you have an audio system of speakers that can only handle so much power and you turn them up real loud the tweeters might go it happened to me a couple of times in the early days Right, fry well, a tweeter or two, but I here, learned how to replace them myself, so it was no big deal. I'd buy a new tweeter for $30 or something. I'd open up the speaker, and I'd replace it in 10 minutes.
14: What's interesting here is, have, have people actually heard this spike in sound? Because just, just to go back to Sgt. Pepper, as we were talking about earlier, um, at the very end of Sgt. Pepper in A Day in the Life, there is a, a tone at 15,000 hertz, which most people will not hear and which can't be reproduced on the vinyl LP, in fact, and you, no one ever heard it on the vinyl LP. John Lennon chose it because it would annoy dogs. Um, when the CD came out and it did have that frequency response, you could hear it, but only if your ears are good enough. So it's entirely possible that there's a really high-frequency sound coming that no one even hears, except your dog, um, that blows the speakers, but you don't even know about it at that point because you haven't heard the sound. Well, they say they hear a
2: crackling sound, some people, if you look at the descriptions.
1: Well, so, yes, they're sounds... hearing
2: something. Now, it may be a side effect. It may yeah, be the next
14: sound that comes after this happens. Because yeah. a crackling sound doesn't sound like something that's loud enough to blow a speaker.
2: No, um, and I it think it's the tweeter like because that's the most obvious and yeah. the most obvious part of a speaker
14: system that's susceptible to damage. It's going to be the tweeter. But that's a pretty serious design flaw that, you know, it is possible that uh, the audio put out by this computer can blow the speakers. It's, it's just, it, it's really surprising. I mean, that, that means there's enough power in the audio drivers to blow speakers, and you just wouldn't expect that. Well, look, I don't want to say how it
2: happened. That's my guess. Because it is the most... Logical thing that could happen to destroy speakers is the high frequency spike. Okay. Yep. Our sponsors will spike us if I don't do this. That was a bad one, wasn't it? That was terrible. Kirk and Gene on the deck, Night Owl Live.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
2: The award-winning graphic converter, the universal genius for photo editing on your Mac. Join over one and a half million loyal users for this Swiss Army Knife photo editing app. It gives you all you expect from a top-flight image editing app with tons of features, and most important, it's easy to use. Get 20% off from lemkesoft.de slash gene. That's L-E-M-K-E soft slash gene. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on this special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com.
5: Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the best for you and your family. Since 2005, thousands have depended on Berkey Purified Water. The Berkey guy provides the lowest priced filtration systems in every size. For incredibly delicious water now and in an emergency, Get to GoBerkey.com or call 877-886-3653,
19: 877-886-3653, GoBerkey.com. The EPA says the air in our homes is up to five times more contaminated than outside air. The solution is not just to filter your air, but detox it. UVforlife.com now offers a doctor-recommended UVforlife.com sterilization unit to kill over 99% of viruses, bacterias, molds, and dangerous chemicals. Go to UVforlife.com. Add promo code GCN at checkout to save $100. That's U-V, the number four, life.com. UVforlife.com. Don't just filter your air. Detox it.
0: I'm David Hall, founder of Diamond Gusset Jeans, here to wish you all a Merry Christmas. For over 20 years, we have built a loyal customer base with 100% American made jeans featuring enhanced fit, comfort, durability, and style. Today, all of our inventory is discounted by 20%, so don't delay. Enjoy a wonderful shopping experience at Gusset.com. Thanks for keeping our American dream alive the original Diamond Gusset jean.
15: Honey? What is that in your CPAP mask? Oh, that's just my mold collection. Oh, gross. And what is that?
4: What, that bacteria colony right there? Yeah, cool, huh? Okay, CPAP users, admit it you're not always as careful about cleaning your system as you should be. Unfortunately, a dirty mask and hose can make you sick, respiratory infections, allergy attacks, and more. But now there's an easy way to protect yourself. SoClean.com has released the world's first and only automated CPAP cleaner and sanitizer. It kills 99.9% of CPAP germs in minutes. For a limited time, you can try it risk-free for 30 days. Just call 1-800-944-1065. So clean is hands-free. Just pop in your mask, close the lid, and presto, your CPAP comes out clean and fresh in minutes. Don't let germs wreak havoc on your health. Call in the next 10 minutes for your risk-free trial. 1-800-944-1065. That's 1-800-944-1065.
12: you're listening to the tech night owl live with gene steinberg you never know what's going to happen next
2: you see i've been thinking one of the worst puns i can have on this show And you know what? I'm kidding. I'm kidding here. That really didn't happen that way. Let me just tell you about how things work here. I don't know whether you have it as much in the UK. Where every so often I get a phone call from somebody. And what they'll do is they'll mix it. It's a hybrid where you have a real person there. As soon as you respond, they go to the recording, which is worse. Now, you don't hear our phone ring here because I have the ringer turned off. And normally what will happen here is I will hear it from another room at the home. I also turn off the speaker on my iPhone, so normally you don't hear it ring. Do you have a lot of problems with unsolicited calls there?
14: I get a handful. Uh, I occasionally get the, hello, this is Windows support. There is a problem with your computer. And then I get calls asking for someone who's not here. Now, I don't know if that's just a wrong number. I can tell that they're marketing calls from the sort of call center sound in the background and I keep getting calls asking for someone who's not here, I don't know if they're expecting me to say, no, that person's not here. Well, maybe I can talk to you kind of thing, but I just hang up on them now. Or I block them with my phone. I have a phone that after I get a junk call, I just select the the call and tell it to block the number.
2: I use phone power here, a VoIP system, and that's the same thing. You have the capability of blocking a call. After you get it, so that way you don't get a call back from them. Now that's funny. The calls you get, this is Windows support, where they speak with a deep Indian accent from Mumbai call center or something. And what they're going to do, of course, is if you accept what they're doing and you are a Windows user, I never had one saying this is Apple technical support. So it's always going to be Microsoft no. technical support or Windows technical support because they want to work on the ninetieth percentile. Over ninety percent of the people still use Windows. And what I usually say here is only a fool uses Windows. And that stops them in their tracks. Well, fools and businesses. Well, I'm just being quick and insulting to somebody giving me an unsolicited call designed to separate me from my money. So I will always be insulting to them. I say only a fool uses Windows. And they hang up. Or how do you know what computer I'm using? Are you hacking it? You see, you play the game with them. And that's a game they can't play. How can they know? what's happening with your computer, unless they're hacking you. Because Microsoft's not going to call you.
14: Of course yeah. not. Even when Microsoft should call you, they're not going to call you. They're preying on people who have no idea how this works.
2: I have a friend who actually got one of these people who said they could fix Max, And it was a very minor problem. And he surrendered control of his computer and paid over $300. I think they did fix the problem. But the real problem was really? him
14: losing $300. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that they would actually fix something.
2: Well, I don't know. I figured they put something on there, a keylogger or something for the Mac. Yeah, that's what I would be worried about. Right, and I have no idea what happened with this guy. It's kind of a strange sort. But it gets back to Apple and defects. All right, any crazy thing can happen. So the thing with the audio drivers, we understand. Now, by the way, Apple does have an online source of information about hardware problems. It's their repair and exchange program. You can Google it. I'm not going to read it to you. And they give you a list of ongoing repair programs, usually up to the time the computer is three to five years old. Then you forget about it. See, after five years, your Mac is vintage. Vintage means that only, I think, in one country in Europe and
14: in California here in the U.S., will they have to still fix it. That one country is the UK where they have a statutory guarantee of one or two years. I believe it's two years actually for computers. But the company can be required to repair a problem up to six years after. And I know someone who used to work in an Apple store and he said, you know, if you have a problem with a three or four year old iPhone, even if you don't have Apple care, if you just press a little bit, they will do the repairs for you because they have to by law. You'll have to ask for it. They won't volunteer, but they will do it. Yeah, it's kind of like a need-to-know
2: basis or something like that, if you know. But if you look online, you'll see these extended repair programs, like the hinge on a certain generation of iMac, where they're using plastic components. And if it breaks, you know, instead of your display sitting up, it tilts all the way down and you can't mm. raise it again. Yep, yeah, won't stay up on its own. It's going to collapse. All right, fine. You know, things happen. And sometimes you design something... And you don't necessarily predict failure, but it happens. But I wonder in quality control where they can do that. I mean, if you look in Consumer Reports magazine, they have a way to test a mattress for the equivalent of eight years of use in a period of weeks or months. And that way they know, based on this test, whether the mattress you buy is going to last up to eight years. So there are ways to simulate this. I assume Apple has a way to simulate this. But, you know, they may get parts from different suppliers and some will fail or they have a bad production lot or something. And Apple does offer this. And sometimes you have to push them. But Apple usually does the right thing. I know I'll give you an example of this. My son, Grayson, had a 2008 black MacBook. Remember that he got it for yep. his graduation?
14: The one with the upside down Apple logo. That's
2: the one. OK, now he's since purchased a MacBook Air for himself. But you know how long he got this use out of this for? Until last year. Mm. So we're talking about, what, seven years? He replaced everything on it. We got Apple care for him, we knew. And during that three-year period, display, keyboard, all replaced. I mean, he's pretty hard at it. Now, after that, though, for the first six months or so, things kept breaking and Apple would fix it. I think up to a year or so later, Apple would continue to fix it. Based on the fact that, look, before the warranty expired, everything broke. So basically, he got the equivalent of maybe three computers in there for seven years. I mean, <laughs> everything replaced was replaced. The, the hard drive two or three times, two displays, a keyboard or two, the top of the case, the bottom of the case. I think Unreal. how much they
14: would have saved if they had just replaced the computer the first time. I mean, they don't know, right? But they could have saved a lot. Well, you know what? It would have saved them a
2: lot. But in terms of the components... He had the equivalent of three black MacBooks. Yep. I trust, since he's over 30 years of age now, that he's kinder and more gentle to his MacBook Air. And the reason I expect that is because he had to pay for it himself. That's right. You know, his mommy and daddy didn't pay for that. He had to buy it himself. And I assure you, he is going to be very delicate on that. In fact, I'll get to see it. He's going to be here in a couple of weeks.
14: Good. And he's they, still
2: living in Spain, right? He's still living in Madrid. Okay, good. He is a teacher, teaches yep. Spanish students, grade school students mostly, how to speak uh-huh. English. Yep. And now he's working at a private school that caters to people who are sons and daughters of rich people or government officials. Work for the oligarchs. He That's works the for the oligarchs now, and he gets a little bit more money, not that much more. They're still cheap, cheap oligarchs he works for. Yeah. Hey. Kirk McElhern, please tell our listeners where we can
14: find more of your stuff. And it's not just you, for oligarchs. No, it's for everyone. All of my articles on Kirkville are on sale now through the end of the year. So visit Kirkville at McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com and get all of my great writing for free. And you can also find me at Macworld, where I'm the iTunes guy and I write about other Apple-related stuff.
2: You find us on Twitter if you look for Tech Nite Owl, Look for Tech Nite Owl on Twitter. We have a presence on Facebook, not a Tech Night Owl presence, but a Gene Steinberg presence. And all you have to do is look for Gene Steinberg, the guy in the red plaid shirt. I still have that shirt 15 years later. And I look hmm, mostly the same.
14: Mostly. Uh,
2: mostly. He has never met me, so he has no idea.
14: I've seen your pictures, but I've never met you.
2: Well, there's a fake one out there online that has me in a suit, never wear a suit. Somebody did some Photoshopping very bad. We have a second radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called The Powercast at Powercast.com. We have Philip Mantle. I think he's from Yorkshire, as a matter of fact. And he is a UFO expert who was involved in exposing the fake alien autopsy film from the 1990s. You might have seen that on TV.
14: I remember that, yeah.
2: He helped expose it, Philip Mantle, at the Paracast at Paracast.com. The best way for the holiday season for you to support the Tech Night Owl Live is to join Tech Night Owl P-L-U-S dot com. For $4.99 a month or cheaper for long-range subscriptions, we give you the commercial-free version of this show and more. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live.
14: Thanks for having me again, Gene.